Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4, and if you can remain standing for the reading of this, just one verse this morning, and it's just a reminder, we're standing not because it's a tradition of man to do so, I'm asking you to stand because uh, this is what God has said, what he has breathed out, and it's, we need to have reverence for the Lord and his word. So Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. All right, so when one sits down with God's breathed out words, and you open up to Proverbs for an in-depth study, you quickly find there is a connection between pride and foolishness, as well as humility and wisdom. You see, pride and foolishness is connected, and humility and wisdom is connected. One of the telltale signs is that those who are wise receive criticism. And look at their way of life. And they ask themselves the hard questions. While the one who is prideful will not listen to criticism. They will not examine their life. And they will not have close relationships for the purpose of their friends asking the deep questions that need to be asked. Humility exists within the life of the one who fears the Lord. The one who fears the Lord knows that their salvation is all of grace They know that their salvation is undeserved. They know that their local church is a gift of God to spur them on and mature them. But even the person who thinks this way as a pattern can become clouded with evil thinking from time to time. Even the one who fears the Lord can become extremely prideful. Those who are prideful will not listen to criticism. Many who are prideful are disciplined in attaining knowledge but they fell in applying of that knowledge for the glory of God in their life as well as the local church. Those who are prideful refuse to change because of a myriad of reasons. Some falsely believe they have arrived, while others are terrified of change, believing that they don't deserve it, thinking that their past choices should define them instead of the grace of God. The most prideful people in all the world are also the most foolish, for they don't believe in God, Psalm 14, verse 1. But even Christians don't believe that God who he, even Christians don't believe that God is who he says he is all the time. Scripture says you and I stumble, and we stumble in many ways. As I talk about humility, based upon the verses in Proverbs this morning, We all need to remember that this life, in this life, we need not just correct doctrine or right thinking. So that we have, but we also need righteous living. It's orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Right doctrine leads to right practice. Right thinking leads to right living, but we need both. For example, if we come in and we say, Pastor, I understand humility. That's not the same as living a humble life. 
One of the hardest realities of discussing humility is as Christians, we know that we are prideful. We're prideful because many times we see the pride in others. That's our own pride. We know that for the majority of our life, we have been and remain more critical of others and more critical of the church that we attend than we are of our own life. We ignore the log in our own eye while we are quick to see the speck in the eye of our brother or sister. Matthew 7, verse 5. It's much easier to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, to talk about Mars Hill. It's much easier to talk about John MacArthur and other Christians and other churches than it is to talk about our own life. We will talk about brothers and sisters in Christ, even using the words, I'm not wanting to gossip, but you need to hear this. Even at times, we might bring up prayer requests for the purpose of gossip and not really asking for prayer. We are prideful people. We speak much about what we don't like, what we are upset with, what needs to change, and we talk too little to God and others about our many, many sins. To quote my favorite preacher, Paul Washer, it's much easier to talk about theology than it is to talk about the own sins in my own life. A great example of this could have been last week's sermon. We might have verbalized last week's sermon was great or that last week's sermon was extremely horrible while never asking ourselves, am I a man or woman who multiplies wisdom? In fact, pride is so rooted in some of us that we enter week after week ready to listen to the Word of God, ready to sing, ready to say amen, not just ready and willing to submit to it because change is not on the table for us right now. The gospel tells us something, but the gospel also does something. The Word of God is living and active. Do not be deceived that hearing is the final stage for your maturity. When conviction comes, precious saint, do not suppress it. Repent and love the Lord. So this morning as I talk about humility, this is where I want your mind to go. When you hear the word humility, I want you to think about Jesus Christ. Think of the Son of God coming from the glories and perfect comfort of heaven to this fallen creation to die. Think of the life of Christ. How he came to serve and not to be served. And when you hear the word pride, I want you thinking of nobody but yourself. You. Don't think about other people. Don't think about your spouse, your coworker, your neighbor. Look at your own life and see where you are puffed up, not pleasing the Lord. See your lack of gratitude to the Lord, your high thoughts of yourself, your low thoughts of others, and your vain idols. Proverbs 22, verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So when the path of Lady Wisdom is walked, you walk with humility. Riches, honor, and life are found in the daily grind of living for Christ. So let me give you a few definitions of humility. Humility, a freedom from arrogance that grows out of the recognition that we all all that we have and are comes from God. 
to make low, to bring low, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, modesty, meekness, gentleness. Humility is a submission to God. Stuart Scott defines humility this way. Humility is the mindset of Christ. A servant's mindset, a focus on God and others, a pursuit of the recognition and the exaltation of God, and a desire to glorify and please God in all things and by all things he has given. You see, a humble life is not about you. A biblical humble life lived out is about the Lord and his glory. In the words of John MacArthur, humility creates the vacuum the divine grace fills. Humility creates a vacuum that divine grace fills. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Yet even in the church, humility is sometimes seen as the same eye that the society views it, as something wrong. Humility is revealing a weakness Humility is something that is undesired. Yet Jesus said the least is the greatest, while the society teaches the first is the greatest. Church family, we are weak, and we need the Lord. Jesus Christ was and is humble. Therefore, we need to image him and be humble. Our mind and life is to conform to his teaching and example. James 4, verse 6 It says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what is pride? Pride is an excessive preoccupation with self and one's own importance, one's own achievements, one's status, or one's possessions. This sin is considered a rebellion against God because it tributes to oneself the honor and glory that is only due God. It's a fundamental attitude of self-sufficiency. Stuart Scott put it this way. Pride is the mindset of self. It is a master's mindset rather than that of a servant. It's a focus on self and the service of self, a pursuit of self-recognition and self-exaltation, and a desire to control and use all things for self. C.J. Mahaney says, Pride is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God, refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon God, a contending for supremacy with God, and a lifting up of our hearts against God. In the words of Thomas Watson, pride seeks to undo God. Pride says, here I am, while humility says, there you are. So before I get into the high importance of living a humble life and how much Scripture says about being humble, I want you to see in Proverbs, a wisdom book, how much emphasis there is on having humility as his child in this life, in the here and the now. And so I encourage you, like I did last week, to write down these addresses for further study. Some of them are going to use the word humble or humility, while others are just so clear and precise that they paint a picture of humility or the lack thereof humility for us to see. Remember, Proverbs allows us to stop and to look around. It very rarely takes us to church, but it shows us our own weaknesses and our own need for the Lord in everyday life. And here is a worthy note to remember. When humility is absent in an area of your life, 
Pride is present. You either have humility or you have pride. Richard Baxter said this, Pride is so undiscerned by the most that it is commonly cherished while it is commonly spoke against. So if your words are constantly talking about humility and you are so against pride that you fail to examine your own life, you fall into this category. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So do you see the pride? In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Many times we continue down the path of pride because you and I do not accept the Lord's discipline that he is giving to us. So our life is on repeat, constantly learning about what the Lord wants us to learn. Proverbs three thirty four, Toward the scorners he is scorned for, but to the humble he gives favor. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 12, verse 1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 12, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs fifteen thirty three: the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. You see that all over Scripture, by the way. Humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. A pride person wants the honor without being humble. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with a poor man than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 18, verse 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 21, verse 4, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. Proverbs 25, 6 and 7. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Proverbs 25, 27. It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29, 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So as as you have heard these voices talking about being wise, about being humble, I hope you didn't go to thinking about other things. Isn't it so easy that we can think about the pride of this world, the pride of individuals, the pride of those we know, 
think about your own pride. Proverbs makes clear that humility is of great importance, and yet humility is rarely spoken of anymore. It's even more difficult to find an example of humility on constant display in our lives. If you will, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and look with me at verse 1. Philippians chapter 2. If you've ever done a study of this book in the New Testament, looking at Philippians, one of the things you realize is this is a book that Paul, he loved the church of Philippi. Paul would usually begin his letters by, in the introduction, he would write something and he would say, I have this against you, let me show you something. You don't find that in, the, in Philippians. This is a church that he found and this is a church that he absolutely loves. He encourages them, he spurs us on. In Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, so if there is any encouragement... And Christ, if you're a Christian, you say, absolutely. Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the name that has been bestowed upon the Son of God, Jesus Christ, his name is above every name, yet when Jesus lived on this planet, He put other people before himself. He humbled himself. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What's even more astounding is you think about the Son of God. He came to serve. He came to serve sinners as the only one who is holy. Even in this life, we ourselves sometimes don't serve other people because we see their sin while we ignore our own. Matthew 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So you're seeing the heart of a Savior who is gentle and lowly, and because his heart is gentle and lowly, he has humility and he serves. Micah 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does Yahweh require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You see, humility is a change of mind. Humility is counting others more significant than yourself. 
Since wisdom is to be a pursuit by us, so is humility. But how does this happen? Andrew Murray said, Humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is from the very nature of things the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature and the root of every virtue. And so pride or the loss of this humility is the root of every sin and evil. Humility is the only soil in which the grace is root. The lack of humility is a sufficient explanation of every deficit and failure. Humility is not so much a grace or virtue along with others. It is the root of all because it alone takes the right attitude before God. C.S. Lewis said in his simple quote, Pride is a complete anti-God state of mind. You see, the Bible does not whisper about humility. Outside of love, humility is the second most frequent taught trait in the New Testament, and all other character traits are built upon love and humility. So how is humility built in our lives? How is pride removed from our lives? What is needed? What are the tools that the Lord uses? Number one, humility begins with understanding who God is and who we are. And this is the most forgotten. How do I know this? Because I'm in the same boat as you. I wake up every morning. And what do I think about? Who do I think about first and foremost? Me. If you're honest, so do, so do you. If we are to count others more significant than ourselves, we need to first look to God and acknowledge that we are not God. It's like everything going on in our world. A few weeks back, I said, you and I do not need to know everything that's going on. We just need to know the Lord. Knowing the Lord is enough. When you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a lot of things going on. We just need to focus on serving the Lord. If we are to count others more significant than ourselves, we need to first look to God and acknowledge that we are not God. We need to know His greatness, His holiness, that He is a cut above us and above all. That without God, you and I wouldn't be here. Without Jesus Christ, salvation would not be possible. Without grace, without faith, we wouldn't be saved and we wouldn't be able to praise the Lord or please the Lord. Humility begins with understanding who God is and who we are. Number two, humility requires reverence. Humility requires reverence, a reverent fear of God. We understand who God is, and we respond with how we live before him. You see, it's not enough to know who God is. That's just knowledge. Living a wise life is knowing who God is and taking that knowledge and living for Him. It's known as Coram Deo. It means living before the face of God. That you're living this life day in and day out through the discipline of your children, through the hard trials at work, through the noisy neighbors that you have, you're living this life realizing that you are living before the face of God, seeking to please Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him, and to live for Him. That requires humility. 
And if we're not living before the face of God with a humble life, that means we're living for self. We are prideful. And we are upset at our neighbor. We're upset at our coworker. We're upset with something because it didn't happen according to how I wanted it to happen. That's pride. Humility begins with understanding who God is and who we are, but we must have reverence. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But whoever reveres the commandment will be rewarded. One of the reasons why false churches and false teachers don't preach God's word is because they don't want the people around them to hear what God has said. Because eventually they will become wise by the Lord's grace if the word of God is preached. Humility requires reverence. We have reverence for God as well as reverence for what he has said. That means his word. Listen to Matthew Henry. We must so reverence God's majesty and authority as to submit with all humility to the commands of his word and the disposals of his providence. We must have such low thoughts of ourselves as to behave humbly toward God and man. Where the fear of God is, there will be humility. So a lack of reverence is a sign of a lack of humility. Number three, humility requires a renewed mind. Humility requires a renewed mind. Being humble is not natural for us. We don't wake up, naturally think about others. We don't put other people's needs naturally before ourselves. What do we naturally do? We naturally complain. We naturally pass judgment. I was listening to a movie, and it made me just laugh with my kids this weekend. And he says, man... My hobby? Man, I do that hobby way better than that. And the person asks, what's your hobby? Oh, I'm just a natural person at judging. And I laughed my head off because it was hilarious. But in all matter of truth, that's usually where our mind is first. We naturally complain. We naturally pass judgment. We naturally possess a lack of gratitude. We become easily angered. We, are, we see ourselves as better than other people. We have an inflated view of ourselves, our gifts. We become defensive when anyone points out sin. We remain unteachable. We don't ask for forgiveness. We resist authority. We become jealous. We minimize our own sins. And we don't have deep, close relationships on purpose because we don't want others to know the real us. We need a renewal of the mind. This is only accomplished by a partnership of the Holy Spirit with the active and living Holy Word of God. This renewed mind requires us to listen to what God has said. So it's having reverence for the Lord, a reverence for His Word, but we get into the word to have a renewed mind. Proverbs fifteen thirty one: The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. So we listen to the Lord, what he says about himself, what he says 
are his promises, what he says about us, what he commands of us, as well as when the Lord corrects us. Walking with humility requires a renewed mind. Number four, humility requires daily dependence upon the Lord and not our own strength. If we are living each day by our own strength, we are not dependent upon the Lord. Therefore, we are prideful individuals and we think that we are autonomous creatures. If you don't pray, you're prideful. At the Son of Man had to get away and to spend time in prayer. If the Son of Man turned away the crowds, if the Son of Man left his disciples and the disciples were wondering where you are, how much more do we need to get alone with the Lord and pray? We're to go to him in prayer, and prayer includes confession. If we are not confessing our sins to the Lord each and every day, we're not thinking too much about the Lord, and we're not thinking too much about our sin. Proverbs 28, 13, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. You see, those who are humble, they depend upon the Lord. They confess their failures before him. When we don't confess our sins, we're not trusting the Lord, we're trusting ourselves. Turn with me to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Let's look at a parable that Jesus told. In Luke 18, we find a picture of two men. These two men, they go into this area to pray. Luke 18, beginning in verse 9. Jesus told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So already you see that these men were prideful. So two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So you, you picture this man saying, Lord, I am so thankful that I'm not like these other men. And Lord, thank you for this example. Look at that man over there. I am so thankful I'm not like him. Praise God I'm not like him. He goes on. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I want you to see the connection between this and the coming of Jesus to judge. Can you imagine standing before the Lord, saying, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I should be good. And the Lord saying, depart from me, I never knew you. If we understand who we are, we understand who God is, you will never stand before the Lord and say, Lord, look at all I've done for you. But that's a picture of this man right here. This man is coming before the Lord in prayer, and he's saying, Lord, I am so thankful I'm not like this man over here. Look at what I do. I do this every week. I do this every week. I do this every week. This is where I hope you're seeing things in your life. Father, I'm very prideful. Father, I think about 
Lord, look what I do for you. Look what I do for you. I do this. I have family worship. I read my Bible. I study my Bible. God, look at all that I do for you. No, no, no. Look at all that God has done for you. But the tax collector standing far off, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus closes that parable by saying, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, when one is humble, there is a posture change. When one is humble, there is a behavior change. When one is humble, there is an active repentance that never stops. Because you realize that the longer you walk with a holy, perfect, righteous God, the more and more sin you see in your life and the more you confess it. The humble man is not self-centered. The humble man is selfless. The humble man knows who he is in the story of life, that he is not the hero, that he is not God, but he is the undeserved servant. The humble man or woman knows that they are the one who is unworthy to stoop down and untie the sandals of Christ. The humble man lives life relying upon the mercy of God. The humble man or woman is justified while the prideful man or woman is labeled a fool, thinking that they have a righteousness of their own to boast about before the Lord. The Lord uses many tools in our life to build humility. His holy word, studying the life of Jesus Christ. He uses brothers and sisters in Christ who point out sin. He uses great books. He gives us great examples in our life, great people that we can read about. He provides great sermons. Various trials build humility in our lives. And these trials usually bring us to our knees. Diseases. Death of a loved one. Persecution. Job loss, addictions, adoption, loneliness, the list goes on. Matthew 23, we find the grace among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the greatest men and women in this world are those who humble themselves before the Lord and they humbly serve him as well as others. You will never find a humble man who doesn't serve anybody else. When a man is not serving somebody else, he's serving his own pride. Isaiah 66, verse 2. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So as a Christian, the best way to remain humble is to remember. Remember what? I'm so glad you asked. Remember that you have received God's grace. You remember the gospel. You remember the cross of Christ. You remember his 
body and his blood, his complete payment for your sin. You remember his death and resurrection. You remember your depravity and his grace and reaching down into the deep well of sin which encompassed you and And he brought you up by his grace to yourself, giving you a new heart and calling you his own. John Stott said, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. You see, the path of humility is a path of lady wisdom. It's not our path. It's not about us. It is listening to the Word of God and applying the Word of God as His children for the glory of God. Pride and the glory of God, they do not mix well. In our life, we need humility if we are to please the Lord. So if we are to remain humble, we need to remember God's grace. If we are to remain humble, We need to pray and confess our sins before the Lord. If we are humble, we need to serve. In all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you read and you study, Jesus did nothing for himself. He did not think one time about himself above others. In fact, when people were asking him questions, Jesus Christ himself responded, I'm here to do my Father's will. When he was confronted in the garden as he was praying, how did Jesus respond? Not my will, but your will be done. So you have an attitude of serving. A humble man or woman, they will encourage others daily. They will count everyone as more significant than yourselves. They will count their annoying neighbor, the guy on the soccer field who cusses during practice, the coaches when they get into a fight. They will count their spouse who's not loving them as more significant than themselves. And the fifth one that we struggle with is they will also talk well of others. Gossipers are not humble. That's pride overflowing. Those who are humble, they talk well of others. Six, they recognize their daily need for brothers and sisters in Christ. They develop close relationships because they know that they need it. They know that others need it. And they're humbling themselves, thinking about the glory of God. Deep friendships, encouragement, accountability. They need rebuke. James 5, verse 16 It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Think about this. In the context of James 5, verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another. That's the church. Be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Confessing your sins before the Lord and with a brother or sister, this keeps you humble. This is why accountability is a must in a church. So if we remain humble, number one, we remember God's grace. Number two, we pray and confess our sins before a holy God. Number three, we serve. Those who don't serve, they're prideful. 
Even when you are old, some of the greatest servants in this world have been in their 80s and 90s because they're ready to meet the Lord, number one. And number two, they, they've, they've come to the conclusion in their spiritual maturity that this life is not about them. They serve. They get it. Number four, those who are humble, they encourage others daily. They count other people more significant than themselves. Number five, they talk well of others. It's so easy to gossip. It's so easy to bring up even prayer requests in the form of a gossip. It's so easy to point out what everybody else is doing wrong. Why not point out what others are doing right and spur them on? And then in private, be praying for them. And when the time is right, talk to them about their sin for the purpose of edification. Talk well of others. Number six, recognize your daily need for brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, during my sabbatical, that's probably the biggest thing that I miss the most. Being around brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage me, to spur me on. The fact that I needed a body, I just didn't need a place to go and worship. I needed brothers and sisters in Christ whom I knew and who knew me. Number seven, you abide in the word and you abide in the Lord's church. You keep submitting yourself to God's word. You keep repenting of your sin. You keep listening and applying the commands of God. You don't stop neglecting to gather together as the church. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Don't neglect in the gathering together. Why? Some of us, we've memorized this verse. We've looked at it. We've taught it. One of the reasons it says that you don't neglect a gathering together, is so you can encourage one another. Imagine that. The fact that a part of worshiping the living God is encouraging one another as the family of God. It informs us that you and I need encouragement and that we need to be involved in encouraging others. So the Lord knows your heart this morning. He knows If you're humble, he knows if you're prideful. He knows if you've never humbled yourself and you've never repented of your sins. He knows if you have called on him for salvation. He knows if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, for your salvation. I encourage you, if you've never do so, come to Christ. Christ is a wonderful Savior who covers all sins And he is the only path for you to lead a wise life that will not live in foolish punishment. Come to Christ. My prayer is that you have heard the path of the fool and the path of the righteous. That you have seen the connection between pride and the fool and the wise man and the humble. You've seen your own life. You've seen areas in which you are prideful. You've seen areas that God, by his grace, has transformed you, and you are living with humility. But you would also see areas in which you can encourage others, you can spur others on. But you would see where you need to have a filter. You would see that you need to be a praying man, a praying woman, not dependent upon your own strength, not dependent upon your own power, but dependent upon the Lord. 
and that you would recognize that our great Savior came to seek and to save those that were lost. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Father, we thank you for your word. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces. It cuts. It divides. Talking about pride and humility from your word this morning, Father, you have done just that. You have cut, you have pierced, you have divided, you have showed us our sin, our rebellious hearts. You have showed us how often we think about ourselves and how little we think about you and others. How we put ourselves first at the failure of putting you first. You've showed us our deep thoughts of serving self rather than serving others. You've done what your word and spirit can only do. You've convicted us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. But praise be to God for us who have found Christ because you have raised us from that pit when we were dead in our sin. You have called us to yourself, Father. You have given us grace and mercy, that there is rest found in your Savior. And for those who are lost this morning, who are still proud and arrogant, who believe that they are autonomous creatures, Father, would you convict them of their sin and draw them to yourself? Father, would you humble them? Bring them to the truth, Lord, that they were conceived in sin, born an enemy of you. Without Christ, they are helpless and hopeless. But with Christ, Lord, we have everything that we need for this life and the next. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending a Savior. Lord, thank you for our health. Thank you for allowing us to gather together this morning to to worship you, to sing praises to you, to hear your word being read and sung. Father, thank you for the gift of friendship and accountability in this body. Thank you for your spirit that is here and is moving and is active as we gather together. Father, continue to reveal our sins to us today, this week. And I pray, Lord, as your children, that we would humble ourselves before you, submitting ourselves before you, Declaring, Lord, that we are your servants, here to do your will, here to serve you and to please you. Father, tear down our kingdoms that we are building, and we build yours. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.